sing like that without we I couldn't sing like that without weeping and I just couldn't and I know I, Jessica almost broke I could tell and Kirsten leans that way and I thought oh here we go and then then it'd be me and then it would be Linda Smith and we'd be done we'd be done that's how it works but I'm glad for that song that was sweet and precious thank you and that prepared our hearts and uh, just praise the Lord Thank you so much. Luke chapter 2. Now, you, you folks know your Bible and you're thinking, Pastor, Christmas was, you know, just a little bit ago and you're back in Luke chapter 2. And I know, but there was something back in that time that came out to me. And I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I, we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. We're not going to stay there. But there is something that the Lord spoke to my heart about in, in those studies there at Christmas time, and, and I want you to see it in, of course, that, that setting in Luke chapter 2. And we'll start in verse 8, and we'll go to verse 14, and then we're going to move on. But it says in God's Word here in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, the following words. And, and you're very familiar with them, I know. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born, uh, is born in, in, this day in the city of David, which is uh, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now watch this. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. <clears throat> Have you ever been reading your Bible or studying your Bible and there'll be some word or some phrase or some grouping of words that just kind of pop out at you or it seems as if it's highlighted for you at that time? A statement? I'm sure. How, how many understand what I'm talking about? You, you have that happen. Sure, we know. Well, again, not very long ago as I was reading through there, there was a couple of words that just kind of came out to me and it made me wonder, you know, why is this speaking to me in such a way? And it's in verse 12. Verse 12. 
Uh, verse 12, the, the, uh, is that the verse? Yeah, no, hold on here. Yeah, yeah, verse 13, verse 13. The first two words, notice, and suddenly. Say that with me. And suddenly. And you know, sometimes in our Bible, we read words, we hear phrases, we, we, we get statements from the Lord, and sometimes you just read them and you pass on. Other times you say, wait a minute. Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. There's something here, something extra special. And that little phrase, and suddenly. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but there are five times in the New Testament that we, we see those two words together. And suddenly. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Acts 2, we'll go there in a minute. Acts 9, Acts 16, and Mark's gospel chapter 9 and verse 8. And what I want to call these, what God spoke to my heart about, God gives us this to show us what we could call divine interruptions. Because that's what they are to me. They're like, time out, pay attention to this. Or holy interruptions, we could say. As we study our Bible, it's like... Uh, it's like this thought or this phrase or this statement says, hey, look at me, or hey, check this out. This is good, or sidebar, <clears throat> take a look at this, would you? Yes, and, and that's how God's word speaks to me, and that's what happened as I was going through this. The Holy Spirit will get a hold of my attention and say, this is worthy of study, a little extra thought. And uh, so for, for purposes today, I want us to observe these holy or divine interruptions that on occasion we see and realize that when they come to you, uh, they're for the benefit and for the sake of us, God's people. He's trying to bless us. He's trying to instruct us. He's trying to teach us something. Trying to point out a particular thing. Amen. As we glean upon God's word, God has extra insight. Now, there's anything particularly different about the words and suddenly, other than that they introduce something that God wants everybody to hear and understand. So I want us to look at the first one today, and consider with me, if you would, and suddenly, and this is the means of man's salvation. Right back to Luke chapter 2, the angels are announcing to us that God is going to bring salvation to whoever will receive it. And suddenly introduces the means of man's salvation. Now the word suddenly, we think we know what it means, and most generally we do. But let me go over a few of the, the definitions, if you would. The hue of that word, and those words, and suddenly or suddenly. The word suddenly means unexpectedly. I mean, things can happen unexpectedly. It means abruptly. Something can happen in our life that comes in abruptly. Like uh, I like to say out of the blue. You know, you're not, you're not looking for it. It also means all at once or in the spur of a moment, or unanticipatedly uh, is another word, without warning. And that can, that can fit with a lot of different things in our life. But to understand the word suddenly here, you, you put all those thoughts together. In the spur of the moment, all at once, abruptly, without thought, out of the blue. And God is telling us in our context here, in verse 13, and suddenly there was a, the angel... A multitude of heavenly hosts. I mean, just out of the blue, there's a host of heavenly angels. That must have been awesome. Awe-inspiring. Wonderful. And there was a reason. For the announcement of Christ was coming to the world. Just Although the Jews had been looking for the Messiah for 
for ages. But all of a sudden, it took place. It happened. We're going to talk about that. God had been telling the Jews, his chosen people, that the Savior would come to the world. And now he has come in Luke chapter 2. Much like today, God has told us as God's people that Christ is coming the second time or we, the second advent or the rapture will soon appear for the saints of God. That's exciting, but we've been reading about this for a long time. Jesus, our Savior, said himself in Mark 13, 32 through 33, he said, but that day and that hour knoweth no man, not even the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. And he says, take heed, uh, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. Well, we've been here about the Lord's coming. You know what's going to happen one of these days? Suddenly, abruptly, amen? With, without warning, out of the blue, in spur of the moment, even though we've heard about it, <coughs> read about it, believe in it, it's going to happen. It's like that first Advent announcement by all the hosts of heaven took place, although they knew about it. We're told about the Lord's coming in the rapture also in Matthew 24, also 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, Revelation chapter 3, 3, and many other verses. But considering the Old Testament, uh, there are plenty of prophecies of the coming of Christ. Several Old Testament passages. I mean, they couldn't have missed this. In Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, the Bible said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. They're thinking, when's he going to come? And they prayed and prayed and prayed, and he still hadn't come. When's he going to come? When's he going to come? <coughs> Excuse me, church. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, gives us a prophecy that he'd be born in the city of Bethlehem. In Isaiah 11, verse 1, and, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow of his roots. Jeremiah, chapter 23, verse 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper. Isaiah 7, 14, we know, Behold, a virgin shall uh, conceive, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. For unto us a child is born. We know these verses. And the Jews knew them as well. In, in, in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, the Bible said, And I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, When Israel was a child, then I loved him, and called my son out of Egypt. All these are verses regarding the first coming of Jesus Christ, the advent of Christ, that we hear about in Luke chapter 2, and, and suddenly, and then there was this host of angels singing about a Savior that would come to the whole world. Wonderful. Church, don't forget that he's coming again. It's going to happen this any time now, any moment. In, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last this, this is going to actually take place. But here in Luke chapter 2, there's this announcement of this angelic host showing forth praise to God. And what was the praise for? If we read it, we pay attention. It's about the good news. Now, the good news for the first time being declared. 
the good news of the announcement of the Lord's coming. Now, Paul talked about this good news later to the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look, if you would. And this is good to be reminded. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, speaking about the gospel. The word gospel means good news. What's so good? Well, Paul's going to tell us again. The angels told us in the Christmas story. Now, Paul's going to tell us in, in the epistle to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Wonderful news now. Pay attention. Moreover, brethren, sound to the church. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Okay. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Here it is. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also receive, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Thank God for this book. This good news is not something man trumped up. This good news is not something we developed over time. This good news is not something that only the Baptists have. No, it's in the Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures. And they tell about the coming of Christ. They tell about his death on the cross of Calvary, his burial. And three days later, hallelujah, his resurrection from the grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. That's the good news. The good tiding of the death, the burial, resurrection of our Lord. What a blessing. And so this is the announcement of man's salvation made possible. That Christ came. Christ was born. That Christ lived a sinless life. He died for mankind's sins. Amen? And we know again, he rose again. But if you think about it, the birth of a baby here in Luke chapter 2 is not a, not a very unusual thing. I mean, everybody was having babies then, and they still do today. It happened all the time. It happens all the time. It was rather routine. Amen? Happened in all kinds of marriages, all kinds of households. But this one was different. None ever before was like this one. Amen. It was special. And that's why the Holy Spirit said, hey, when you're writing the story about my first declaration of the gospel of my son, make sure you put these words in there. And suddenly, to get our attention, this birth of Jesus was not an ordinary event. Oh, no, it wasn't. This announcement of this baby's birth was worthy of this divine interruption time. I'm glad for the divine interruptions that God has brought into my life. Amen. Sometimes great, sometimes just awesome, sometimes hard to take. Because divine interruptions are not always pleasant. They're not always what we would choose, but nonetheless, they are holy and divine in their nature. A heavenly host declaring the birth of God's Son and suddenly giving us good tidings, he says, of great joy. What's so joyous that man not only has now a Savior to save them, but man's sins can be forgiven. Hallelujah! Because in the Old Testament, they would have sacrifices to wash away sin debt, but it was only temporary. They would have the offering. They'd slay the animal. They'd get the blood. They'd apply it, apply it to their sin debt. And, 
And everybody be happy for a little while. And then they had to do it again and again and again. And sacrifices and offerings and types and pictures and lambs being slain. But thank God there was a day that the real Lamb of God was born in the flesh. And the angel said, let's celebrate. Let's praise our God. Because this is a great announcement. And he said to everybody, and suddenly, pay attention, we get this wonderful news. Don't let the news of Jesus Christ's birth or the good news of salvation become old hat to you. Let God grip your heart with that truth. That there's good tidings of great joy. All people can now be saved. What an announcement. This announcement was of unlimited grace. See, I don't believe the persuasion that Christ's atonement was limited. Only for a chosen few. It's unlimited atonement. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This announcement, this good news was that everybody who wants to can be forgiven of their sins, and given a new life in Christ. Maybe you're here today. Do you want it? Do you want it? It's available. And it's unlimited atonement. The blood of Christ is, folks, effectual today. It can wash away our sin. The blood of Christ is now available. The blood of Christ is... Um, is, a, is an agent to, to eradicate sin from our life. Thank God for the blood. It's still powerful. It's still useful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With the Lord, there's always fresh starts. Second and third opportunities. If we're sincere and ask the Lord, he will. He will forgive us our sins. What great news. And suddenly, the Savior is born, is come, is given. And the one that has been prophesied, that had been told about from time and time and time now has come. Man's sin bearer is come. Our righteousness is possible through faith in him. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so and suddenly means mankind's salvation to come. Thank God for that divine interruption in my life when Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I could fully understand my need as a sinner, but my need now to call upon the Lord. And I'm glad I did. I never forgot that day. I maybe If you're saved, you know there was a day, a time. You may not know the date but a day and a time and a place that you called upon the Lord and God changed your life. Praise the Lord for that divine interruption. Now secondly, we go to Acts chapter 2 and we see that the story moves on now that we have a Savior. In Acts chapter 2, we see the second and suddenly, and this is the means of conviction of sin. That's important too. You know, conversion to salvation is an important thing, but conviction of sin is important too. Very important. In Acts chapter 2, if you look at verse 2, as you're reading along in your Bible, I read along my Bible, and I, you just started your Bible reading, right, this year. So you come along, you're reading your Bible one day, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, verse 1, they were all in one accord in one place, and there it is again. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, 
and it filled the whole house that they were sitting. Now, this is in reference to the, to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This and suddenly has to do with the appearing of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, through the New Testament, God had given glimpses. God had given shadows. God had given emblems regarding this person, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Now, the emblem illustrates or pictures for us the character or characteristics of the Holy Spirit. We want to know about him, and we don't have time, but this is a study for days and days and days. And I've got all the scriptures. If you want, I'll give you a copy. You don't even have to look them up. You can just take my notes and go over it. But I'm just going to hit the highlights. You know, he's an emblem or an illustration of water in the scriptures. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, let me read a few of you for the week and kickstart this thing. Uh, where'd I go? John chapter 3. Yeah, verse 5. It says, um, Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then dropping over just a few more pages to chapter 7, we read again about the Holy Spirit. In chapter 7, we read in verse 38, these words, And he that delivered uh, he that believed on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There it is again, verse 39. But the, this spake he of the Spirit. See that? Which that they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this was before the cross of Jesus Christ. It's telling us that there's going to come a time after the, after the glorification of Christ, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that the Holy Spirit will come. And I'm glad that indwell, the Holy Spirit indwells me upon salvation. Now the New Testament church in the book of Acts, you'll see that the Holy Spirit came in different ways from our Lord. The Lord breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Another time he, he spoke to them, they had the Holy Spirit, then they were baptized and there was the Holy Spirit. There's a transition and then we get to the final one where someone believes and they receive the Holy Spirit. So through this dispensation of grace, that last mention is the way people get the Holy Ghost today. They believe and the Holy Ghost enters them. Uh, what, know you not that the Holy Spirit abides in you, that he's in you? Sure, we know that. If you're saved, you know there's a different voice now within you. And the Holy Spirit has a ministry, but the Bible likens him to this water. Water's interesting. Now, we don't have time to study all this. I'm just going through. But it's for cleansing. It's fertilization. It's refreshment. It's abundance. It's freely given. That speaks of the Holy Spirit. And not only is he water, but he's also fire, according to Scripture. Isaiah 4, 4. But the Holy Spirit was given, and there was cloven, uh, cloven tongues mentioned in Acts chapter 2, verse 3. A purifying, illuminating, a searching out. These are all shadows. These are all illustrations. These are all emblems. And then there was that of the wind. John 3, 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, that, that emblem of, of, of wind, is, it's independent. You can't control it. It goes where it wants to go. I, I don't want to control the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to control me. That's what's wrong with church a lot of times. We're controlling him. Just let him go. Let him have his way. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit is sensible. 
Oh, why? Well, you don't take care. You just go off and no, you won't, because the Holy Spirit won't allow that in real Bible service. The Holy Spirit brings revival. Then it says that it's likened them, he's likened unto an oil. Psalm 45, verse 7, uh, the lowest righteous, uh, thou, uh, thou, uh, excuse me, ha, um, oh, thou givest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Oil was for healing. It was for comforting. It was for illuminating. It was for consecration. Kings, priests, prophets were all anointed with oil. It, then it's the rain and the dew. It, Psalm 72, verse 6, he shall come. He shall come down like rain upon um, the mown grass as showers that water the earth. And that speaks again of refreshment, of abundance. And we see the Holy Spirit is likened unto a dove that when Jesus was baptized, uh, God said, this is my beloved son whom you have seen. But he saw that dove lighting upon the son of God. And of course, it speaks of the gentleness. Uh, a dove is easily dismissed, easily offended, flighty. And the nature of the Holy Spirit is we can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible says he's a voice in Isaiah 6, 8. He speaks, he guides, he warns. A seal in Revelation 7, 2, securing and keeping. But just thinking of those two major ones to me, fire and wind. Wind is irresistible. The Bible says it bloweth where it listeth. It's gonna, the, the wind of God is going to blow as he deems. It's unpredictable. You can't figure it out. Say, so, well, if we do this, this, and this, then the Holy Spirit's going to come. No, no, that's not how he works. He's a person. He's God. He's sovereign. Uncontrollable. It can't be trained. Wind cannot be harnessed. And that's a likening to the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter. He's the one of the same kind as our Savior. He's a consoler. He's a convictor. He's a convincer. He brings conversion. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So all these truths come after salvation. It's a means of salvation, but it's also a means of the Spirit of God working in our lives. I want to ask you a question. In your Christian's experience of late, do you sense the Holy Spirit's working in your heart, in your life? You ought to. Or you're running your own show. And we can do that. I want to be led of the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. Amen. I do. I, I have a flesh just like you do, but I seek to walk in the Spirit. I want the Holy Ghost to have control. And you know how that happens? And suddenly. <laughs> and so, Who knows? Maybe in a service such as this. You may get the sensitivity of the Spirit of God back. You see, because he can be grieved, and he can be quenched, and he can be sent away. And so many times, God's people, we want church, but we don't want too much church. We want God, but not too much God. I remember a couple of years ago, the wife, she, she wanted her husband to be a better husband. He wanted her husband to be a spiritual man. She wanted her husband to maybe become a leader, get his name in the bulletin. And when he started to take walks with God and began to grow, it became a problem with that wife. He said, well, I wanted him to get saved, but I didn't want him to get that saved. I wanted him to get spirit-filled, but not like that. Now he's a fanatic. 
Amen. So we want just enough of the Holy Spirit for what we want. But you see, you cannot control that. Nor should you. Let him have his way with you. But after salvation comes the Spirit of God entering in. And suddenly, and suddenly, don't you want him to come? Again in your heart? Stir you up again? Oh, Holy Spirit. We pray, come, Holy Spirit. Do we really want him to come? Well, we just got our way. We want to live our life from Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday, we'll put on our church clothes, carry our King James by. Yeah. And say, we want the Holy Spirit for Sunday, but I don't care for the rest of the week. I want to talk like I want to talk and do like I want to do and live like I want to. No, 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 no. But and suddenly, you can open up and the Holy Spirit can come in free, in power. And anointing. I wonder, ask yourself, is there anything going on in your heart and life that now keeping the Holy Spirit from using you as he would like to use you? Some hard attitude, some habit, some... I don't have to... Do you think I really need to have a list of things you should do and not do? If you're full of the Spirit, you know that. Nobody has to tell you that. But yet some of God's people grieve God every day, every week, every month, every year. Yeah. And then say, oh, God, bless our church, bless our preacher. Let us see the Holy Spirit. Well, if you've got a, a number of people saying to God, no, no, no. But suddenly he could come when you were not expecting him to move and speak and convict. And you finally say, all right, Lord, enough of me. All of you. Thirdly, we see the word in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. This is the story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 1. And Saul yet breathed out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus in the synagogue that if, any, if, if he found any of this way, that's the first name for the church, by the way. The church was called the way. What did that mean? The way of Jesus. And then they were first called Christians in Antioch, and that word Christian means little Christer or follower of Christ. And so people say, oh, they're of the way. And next they would say, oh, those are those Christians. That's a good name. And so Saul, trying to go up the ladder of success in Judaism, he's got letters in his hand, and he's going to Damascus to the synagogue and see if there be any of this way, these fanatical Christians. Whether there be men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, and suddenly, you see it? There shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He didn't ask a question here. He made a statement. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Isn't that wonderful? This is the end suddenly. The third mention 
the means of salvation in action. You know salvation works. Salvation has an action to it. Something's going to change. <laughs> I'm glad for the end suddenly that came into my life. I got saved and then the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. And then actions started changing. I, I, was not, I was not the young man I used to be. I had a new heart within me that wanted to do what God wanted to do. I had a new desire in me. The Word of God, before I could not understand a lick of it, now I'm licking it up. I'm taking it in. I'm enjoying it. I'm, even though it brought me conviction. Even though it started taking things out of my life that I did not really want to forfeit. I liked them. But then God gave me a want to and a dislike for certain things in my life. And in the case of Paul here, Saul, Paul, God gave physical evidence of the Lord's presence in Paul's life. Here's what it says, a light from heaven. Now listen, when I got saved, many of you have heard my testimony, 31749 Rossland, Garden City, Michigan, upstairs bedroom, that's where I came to know the Lord. But there was no light. I didn't hear an angelic choir. It's kind of funny because years later, <clears throat> my brother, one of my brothers was telling a friend of his how I came to know the Lord. It's funny how a lost man would tell another lost man how a brother came to know the Lord. And in that story, this guy was, yeah, he told me about you were up in your bedroom and there was this light. And, and I, I, I didn't see a light in here, a choir, no angels. I just gave my heart to Jesus and something happened on the inside of me. And when I came down those steps, we lived in a tri-level house, and I came down those three or four steps at mom and dad's house, I knew, I knew something was different in me. I couldn't tell you all the lingo. I didn't know the Christian world then. But I did what the Bible told me to do, and I asked Jesus to forgive me, save my soul, and change my life. And from, my, from that time, I got up, and things were starting to change already. But it didn't take too long before action took place. That's why I'm such a curmudgeon about people that say they're saving. They never change. It doesn't, it doesn't line up with Scripture. If you're saved, something's going to change in you. Take off the old man, put on the new. That's what happens. And that's a divine interruption. I had a divine interruption in my life. I got saved and the Holy Spirit started working on me. And then action started taking place in my life. Just like the Bible talks about Saul turning into a Paul. Paul's conversion says, and suddenly and then action. And that's not just Paul. Many Bible characters and Many people that were under conviction came to know Jesus and their lives changed. The woman at the well in John chapter 4. There's 42 verses talking about her testimony. And finally, she went, left her water pot, went into the town, told enough people that they start coming later. And they said, well, we're not telling you that we got saved because of her. We're coming from what she said and we want to believe on you ourselves. Something changed in her. And she was a, a woman of ill repute. That people, they saw something in her that was real. 
It's interesting, the text tells us about the men that came. They saw something different in her. One like that. She wasn't like that before. And then there's a the man sick of the palsy in Mark chapter 2. He couldn't do a thing for himself. But now he's leaping and praising God. And everybody goes, isn't that the guy that... Yeah, but he met Jesus. And then there's that, there's that Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Man, he was never the same. Philip, you know, he took the word of God and explained it to him. He said, how can I know? Let some man show me. Oh, okay, let me show you. <laughs> he, went back to, he went back to Africa. And they believe that's how the gospel spread through the continent of Africa. Because there was an action that took place. And then Zacchaeus, he's up that sycamore tree. And he was only in for business deals. And boy, he was rich and he had influence, but everybody hated him. Kind of like today, tax keepers. But anyway, hope there's no tax people here. Today. I'll just say the word Trump. Get your mind off that. And we'll move on to something else. Zacchaeus up a tree. Luke chapter 9. And boy, everything changed for that guy. And that's why Jesus could say, salvation has come to this house. Now, not everybody else. Jesus said that. Because he said, boy, if I've, if I've done wrong to anybody, let me restore fourfold. When you get somebody like Zacchaeus saying, I'll give it all back, plus there's something different. And that's what Jesus said. Today, salvation has come to this house. What I'm trying to say is, and suddenly, there'll be a time where actions will change. Hearts will change. Attitudes will change when somebody's got real salvation. And from that day that the Apostle Paul saw became Paul. Many people have come to know the Lord by placing their faith in Jesus Christ by what the Bible says to do. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And friend, if you're here lost today, you could have an and suddenly experience. You could have Jesus in your heart by faith and you'll know it. And then you'll begin to Understand the ministry of the Spirit of God, and then you'll be, in, you'll be able to see that actions are starting to take place in your heart and life. Amen? Instantaneous is salvation. But then, after salvation, comes a change. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1-2, Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus as our Lord, both them and ours. 1 Peter 2.21, for, for even unto you were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. John 6.37, all the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Divine interruption. Salvation, Holy Spirit, action. By the way, would there be someone here today that has not called upon Christ? I mean totally, really called, totally surrendered, trusted Jesus to be their Savior. Here's my question, when then? Can you tell me a time? There's an old song, I can, take you, I can tell you the time, I can take you to the place when the Lord saved me. I believe you can, if you know him. If you know him. When did you trust Christ? 
What were the circumstances? You know, that service coming up on February 10th on a Sunday night when we have some of our church members come stand behind the pulpit or a microphone and just tell us how they came to the Lord. I love that service. I absolutely love it because I've known some people for years. They're saved. They tell me they got saved. But I don't know all the details. And I love when somebody gets, and they tell us the details. And I'll say, well, I didn't know that. I'll sit there and I'll go, I've known them for years. I didn't know that. I remember Kathy Watson got up here one year, and I knew Kathy was saved. And, and she'd been around church. She taught the ladies' Bible class and all that. But she, got, she told some about the things that led to her salvation and the circumstances. And I thought, man, I never heard that. I just love to hear those salvation testimonies. We all get saved the same way, by grace through faith. But circumstances that bring people to a place where they say, you know what, I want to call on Christ. Those are so exciting. And then to hear, after they get saved, the changes that begin to take place in their heart and life. It's so exciting. You have anything like that? Since you've been saved, have you been scripturally baptized? Since you've been saved, have you lined up with a local independent Bible-believing church? I don't believe in organized religion. Oh, come on. You heard that from somebody else. In the Bible, there's organized religion. It's called the local church. And they added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so God wants you in the church so that you can use the gifts that the Holy Ghost has given you for the benefit of him and the benefit of others in the body of Christ. Don't be afraid of the church. Well, I had a church do this. I had a church do that. Come on now. Amen? Move on. Doesn't mean everybody's bad. I had a preacher do this. I had a deacon do that. Not every deacon, not every preacher's done bad. And I'll tell you this, the Lord has never done you wrong. So if the Lord wants you in to do something, he's giving you gifts, use your gifts. If he wants you to serve, serve. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. We appreciate it. We needed it today. That's wonderful. And suddenly, number four, the means of the saints' protection. Now that's different. Go to Acts chapter 16. I've got to move on. We've got to get done. Acts chapter 16. And look, if you would, at verse 12. Acts chapter 16, verse 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of the Macedonian colony, and we're in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out to the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto a woman which resorted, th resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, worshiped God and heard us, watch this, whose heart the Lord opened and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. God opened her heart to the gospel. Drop down to verse 26. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praise unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Watch verse 20, what's verse 26 say? And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and every man's one's bands were loosed. Now, this is the means of saints' protection. And suddenly, the, now there'll be salvation, then there'll be the Spirit of God, then there'll be action taking place in the individual Christian life. And then we realize that. In our lives, we'll begin to understand the protective hand of God. 
Paul and Silas, they traveled to Philippi. I can't re read the whole chapter for you today. And here's what it tells us, under the Holy Spirit's lead. The Holy Spirit said, go here, don't go there. He sends them to Philippi. They get there, and for the purpose God had was, he wanted Lydia to be saved. And they went there, and Lydia heard the word of God, and she attended to the things which were told her, and she believed. And the Bible says her whole house believed. And they got baptized, and a local church was started. A local church was founded. Exciting story. Daniel called me this morning, 8.30. He was on his way to Liechtenstein for an evening service. And uh, he was excited. He said, Dad, Dad, the last three Sundays. He said, we're packed out. We're using an anti, uh, anti room, uh, an extra room for the crowd. And he said, and we can't get any more kids. We can't get any more teenagers in the church. He said, three Sundays in a row. He said, Dad. I can't believe what the Lord's doing. He said, I got to look for another building. Man, that's exciting. It's like when you go over there and observe it, it's like the New Testament, the church is coming alive. People are being saved. People are coming in. People are interested. So exciting. And here, Paul is sent of the Holy Spirit to, to Philippi, and he meets this woman, and they preach the God. You know, sometimes you talk to people and nobody gets saved, nobody gets saved, nobody gets saved, nobody gets saved. Doesn't mean you're doing wrong. Keep doing what God's told you to do. But then God causes all the dots to connect at the right time. The Holy Spirit begins to work in hearts. Something you can Church, here's what we need to do. We don't need more programs. We, don't, and we need to think about doing things to bring souls to Christ and programs. I'm not opposed to that. But we got to get in our place where the Holy Spirit wants to bless and use us. And the Holy Spirit does the work through us. He can't use dirty vessels, so it might be we don't do as much as we could because we're grieving him. Amen. But the means of the saints' protection here, Paul and Silas go in there, and they preach, and there's spirit working, and this lady gets saved, her family gets saved. There's a start of a local church in Philippi, and things begin to move. But then guess what? God, he puts a great old blessing on them. No. Acts chapter 16, 16 through 24, they get thrown in prison. Well, that's what you get for serving God. They get thrown in prison for preaching, for what you and I try to do, for witnessing. That, you know, you talk to somebody at work and they throw you in prison for it. For the winning of souls. And read the chapter, they went in there and they got beat. And they got in stocks and they got in a prison cell. But you know what? God allowed it. You know, sometimes God allows things to happen we don't want to happen. But he's got divine interruptions for divine purposes. And we may never know the divine purpose. But yet, he's in control. And so Paul and Silas are thrown in stocks, they're incarcerated, they're beaten. I want to say here, thank God for the liberty that we have today. But yet we don't use that liberty. Very seldom do we use that liberty. I got to hurry up. But the rest of the story is God sends an angel down to release them. An earthquake. 
You know, if God sent an earthquake on my behalf, that's pretty important. I must be somebody. Caused an earthquake and the prison cells opened up. The guard, the chief guard, he's getting ready to fall on his sword. Read Acts 16. Paul says, do thyself no harm. And he asked the question, what can I do? To, how can I be saved? He didn't mean saved from the earthquake or saved from Rome because when they catch me for letting all these people out, I'm going to die. You know what Sal say? He says, call on the Lord Jesus Christ. That Philippian jailer knew exactly what he needed. He needed salvation in Jesus Christ. And he got his soul saved. And isn't it interesting? When he did that, he, they, all, they all got out. They went to his house, he and his family, and they all got saved, and they all got baptized, and there was more people added to that Philippian church. But it did not come without divine interruption. Sometimes we wonder about why God allows this or that. Sometimes through bad circumstances, people come to know the Lord. Others, God calls into ministry. Others, God leads a different direction. God sometimes working in hearts, but we have not seen the fruit or the evidence as yet. Just hang on. Leave it with God. Because he doesn't bring divine interruptions in our life to give us a bad day. He does this, according to Scripture, to bring us to his purposes and his will. And I'll just mention, like Paul and Silas, <clears throat> they had divine protection. God let them out that time. I could go to the book of Daniel, and Daniel's in the lion's dead. Bad night. <laughs> a couple of weeks. I was sick. I had some bad nights. I didn't have a Daniel night, so I'm okay. But then he woke up that next morning and they, the lions did no harm because the Lord stopped their mouths. I think Daniel might have said, you know what, I'd like to spend a night in a lion's den. A fierce lion's ready to tear me apart. I think I want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to have that happen. The three Hebrews, Nebuchadnezzar makes that decree. They're thrown in that fiery furnace. They come out, end of the story, great story. They even had someone in walking in there as the son of man. I mean, that's a great story. But folks, go back to the reality of that story. But God delivered them. Then we're told about Paul in Acts chapter 27. He's in that great storm and everybody's worried about their life. And the Bible tells us that 14 days and nights they were tossed and torn in the midst of that sea. And you know what? 276 souls made it to land. Nobody lost their life. And God told Paul earlier... On ship, hey, you're going to have a wreck here, but nobody's going to lose their life. And Paul says, be of good cheer, man. Let me tell you what God told me. But they would have said, well, what about my ship? <laughs> I don't worry about your ship. We're going to make it to land. But see, we're of the nature. We want the land and the ship and the cargo, and we want it, we want it all wrapped up in a pretty little bow. But divine interruptions are not always that way. But yet they are divine. You see, the truth today is that God is for us. And obviously our mind goes, who would be against us? The devil. And he'd like to kill every one of us. Amen. 
But I want us to know today, no matter what you're dealing with, God is fully aware and he has divine purposes. And sometimes he saves those in trouble, health. And sometimes he does it. We don't know why. But we know that he is purposeful. And he loves us. And whatever he allows, someday we'll understand. And I don't say that tritely. We will understand. Last and suddenly, and I'm done. Mark chapter 9, because it's 10 minutes to 12. Last week we beat the Presbyterians to lunch. I don't know what we will today, but we'll be pretty close. We'll be right behind them, okay? Mark chapter 9. Or the Lutherans, or the Methodists. I'm not picking on anybody. I tell you the ones you've got to worry at the, at the restaurant you're going to is those Baptists. Man, they'll run you right over. They don't prefer their brethren. I'm here to eat. Get out of my way. Nine chapter, uh, Mark 9, 8, and we'll be done. There it is again. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. This is the means of the Savior's revealed glory. This is, just for time, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. This is when the Lord went up upon the mount and he allowed his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, to go with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. And we know the story. The Lord was magnified in their sight. He was radiant in their sight. He was transformed in their sight. They saw the Lord in his glory. They saw the Lord talking with Elias and Moses. They were so excited. Hey, let's build some tabernacles, Lord. They were just beside themselves. Why did it happen? Well, we know this word, and suddenly. Just as sure as salvation is sudden, just as sure as the Holy Spirit's conviction is sudden, just as sure as God beginning to make us change, actions take place, just as sure as God can protect or God can allow something to happen to a saint according to his will. One of these days we're all going to see the Lord in his glory and in his splendor. These three got to see it early. And they weren't expecting it, Paul. And suddenly, often think, boy, wouldn't it be something to be one of those three guys? But the Lord didn't choose me for that assignment. He chose me for my assignment now. And we may never really get to enter into glorious stuff. Sometimes we do. But one day, just any old day, and suddenly will happen, and we will look on him. Who we have, by faith, believed in our whole life. And one day, and suddenly will happen. And we will see his face. We will feel his embrace. We will hear his words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And all the other stuff won't matter anymore. Because the Bible says, and suddenly happened to them, therefore it could happen to us. Amen. Divine interruption. Now we say, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want that right now. Like my preacher said, everyone wants to be saved, everyone wants to go to heaven, but they don't want to go today. <laughs> Isn't that us? 
But I'll tell you, there's coming a day where I'll look upon him that saved my soul, that changed my life, that's made eternity possible for me. And when that happens, all the former things will not matter. Amen? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. He does. But one day. Amen? So today, let's wrap this up. There's a measure of trust that has to take place in all of our hearts to understand the and suddenly portions of our New Testament. We'll face uncertainty. We'll face inner conviction. If you live long enough, there's going to be storms. And things will happen just out of the blue. And that's when faith must kick in. And it doesn't mean it'll be easy. But know this. Next step for you, my friend, is the end suddenly when you will see him and all that's happened that has been negative or whatever, even positive, will melt away. And it will be worth it. It'll be okay. As I said with Sister Kate's funeral, she's okay. All the saints that have passed away, they're okay. It's us that deal with life. Amen? But there may be someone here today, going back to that first point, salvation. So key. I'm going to tell you some good news. Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. He died upon Calvary's cross for you and me. He makes it possible for anybody to call on him and be saved. But you must do the calling. And he'll do the saving. So let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed. Maybe.